Assalamu alaikum my dear sisters, I hope you're well, it's Hanat here and if you're new here, welcome to Her Story Inspires podcast, we're very honoured to have you listening and watching our podcast, um, please do let us know where you are in the world while you're watching us or listening to us and share with us how you found the, um, the conversation. Alhamdulillah, we are now on episode 6 and it was with Amira Zaki. Um, again, apologies for the audio on my side. I am working on this. I might have to get a headset, uh, which I think will look strange on me wearing a qab, but I think I might have to get it just to fix up my audio. But Alhamdulillah, you can hear the speakers, uh, the speaker um, absolutely fine. So that's fantastic. Um, so Amira started the episode by sharing her upbringing of being raised by an uh, Egyptian dad and a Thai mom um, who learned Islam uh, with Amira as a child uh, to Amira getting married really young at the age of 18. Um, then she shared the struggle um, she had with losing her virginity for over a year. It was a year long struggle and it got um to a point where it led to a discussion on divorce with her and her husband subhanallah so she went on and she done her own research and she found that you know she had a condition by the name of vaginismus uh, alhamdulillah allah blessed her with two beautiful children and she no longer suffers from vaginismus and now she works as a sexual wellness coach specializing in helping women to overcome painful sex vaginismus and fear of intercourse and she also helps women to painlessly lose their virginity on their wedding night subhanallah it was very very brave and very very courageous of amira to come on and share her experience of, of vaginismus and we talked about the importance of normalizing talking and educating our girls about about sex so that they enter marriage mentally prepared rather than frightened or feeling ashamed alhamdulillah it was a really really amazing episode with many gems to to take away i really recommend sharing this episode with all the women in your life especially those who are about to get married um, or who are already married um, you can contact Amira uh, over amirazaki.com or on her IG at amirazaki um, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from her just a quick disclaimer uh, before you watch the episode Amira is a, a sexual wellness coach so she was using uh, the correct terminology in regards to the private area of, of, of a man and a woman so just in case you've got any children around and you may feel it's inappropriate for them to hear to hear these words then um, the disclaimer is there for you uh, inshallah other than that, my dear sisters, I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, and again, do share it with all the women in your life because you never know who is going through this yet feeling kind of ashamed or feeling kind of embarrassed to reach out for help. Um, other than that, my lovelies, um, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from all of us. Um, I think that's it from me, from me now. Take care, inshallah, and assalamu alaikum. Enjoy. We all have a story, a story of pain, a story of shame, guilt, sadness and grief. A story of ups and downs, highs and lows that gave birth to who you are today, that empowered you to stand tall despite how broken you felt inside. 
And it's this that makes you special, beautiful, strong, and inspiring. Her Story Inspires is a weekly online show where women will be sharing their story of courage to leave you feeling inspired and more importantly to know that you're not alone. Are you ready to begin, Amira? Yeah, I'm ready, yep. All right, let's begin, inshallah. So, bismillah, wa salatu salam ala rasulillah, rabbi shrafli sabri, wa yisilli amri, wahlul uqtatan min lisani, yafqahu qawli. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dearest Amira and all our sisters who've joined us tonight. Um, so we are now, subhanAllah, on episode six. So we're kind of halfway, or exactly halfway rather, uh, through season one of Her Story Inspires. And alhamdulillah, tonight we have uh, Amira Zaki. So Amira Zaki is a, a sexual um, wellness coach. And she covers um, different parts in regards to that. Uh, one of them being uh, vaginismus. And I think a lot of sisters did message, uh, you know, to say that that's something that they want to know more about. So quite excited about that. Um, and also uh, some of the things that Amira does is that she helps you um, so that, you know, your, your wedding night isn't a night of fear and a night of, you know, you have painless, uh, you know, you have intercourse in a, pain, a painless way. Um, so I'm really excited <laughs> for this episode because we're going to be touching, just from that introduction, you can tell we're going to be touching on topics that are quite taboo, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, us Muslim women. So um, let's go straight into the uh, episode and take us back, Amira, to you as a child. What were you like? Um, what kind of background are you from? Because I know you're mixed as well. So it'd be nice to kind of get to know you a bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the intro introduction. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. So in terms of my childhood and my background, my dad is from Egypt and my mum is from Thailand. Um, alhamdulillah, they both kind of moved to the UK. They moved to London um, when they were quite young, um, kind of in their late teens, early 20s. They, subhanAllah, met each other um, they were both working in a restaurant. They got married. My mum wasn't Muslim at the time. She converted to Islam after meeting my dad. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my kind of um, ethnic background. Um, I grew up I, in London. Um, actually, I was born in Manchester and lived there for three years and then moved to London um, when I was three. And I went to an Islamic um, school for primary school. So, you know, have been surrounded by Muslim friends growing up. Um, and was just raised, you know, to be a good Muslim. And yeah, it was interesting being raised by, you know, my dad who was born Muslim, but also my mum who wasn't born Muslim. So she was kind of learning about Islam with me, like as I'm growing up as a child, so was she. And I remember like, I used to learn things in primary school, like learn how to read some of the surahs. And I used to teach them to my mum. So that was quite an amazing experience to, to have gone through, alhamdulillah went to an islamic school was just in primary right yeah just for primary it was an islamic primary school um for secondary school it was a regular state school but it was a girls school um but yeah primary school was uh, an islamic school transition from a primary school being like islamic to a normal school was that all right or how did you find that transition 
Um, it was, I think the first year was interesting. Like it was, it was, there was nothing difficult about it. Actually quite a lot of my friends um, from my primary school also went to the same state secondary school. Um, and I think it was just nice that it was all girls. Um, it was very mixed culturally. And it, like there was a lot of diversity in the school. Um, there were a few things that were different, obviously, compared to an Islamic school. But I didn't think it was that, it wasn't too much of a shock to the system. Um, so it was okay, alhamdulillah. Yeah, good to hear. Um, and then you went through secondary school. And what did you end up doing for like, you know, after, after 16, after GCSE? What path did you take? So I did um, some science A-levels, so biology and chemistry in sixth form. I also did a French A-level and I did, I did Arabic. And there's one more. I've now forgotten what I did. So biology, chemistry and French. What was the other one? Oh, I did maths as well. But I think I did maths only to AS level. So I did half maths or something. Um, yeah, so that's what I did for um, in sixth form. And then in for my degree, I did biomedical science. And then after my degree, I did a year of teacher training. So I did my PGCE. And then after that, I became a teacher for five years and then left that. And I'm now doing what I'm doing, alhamdulillah. And when did you get married, Amira? So I got married really young. I actually met my husband um, when I was about 17. We were in sixth form, so that's when I met. And then we got married at the end of sixth form. So we were both 18. And then we both started university at the same time. So I got married at age 18, so really young. And married at 18 that's really young mashallah how did you find that um we both wanted it um so like i mentioned we got we, we we met when we were 17 and we kind of started getting to know each other and we, we're both muslims we didn't want to do anything haram so we just kind of said we need to tell our parents about this so we did we spoke to both of our parents and just from like kind of like straight away we just knew that we wanted to be married it was like you know, when you have like that deep knowing intuition feeling inside you, it was just kind of like that. Um, and it just kind of seemed to happen. I think Allah opens up doors for you and it just kind of happens in a kind of easy way. And, and that's just how happened. We, we knew it was right. Um, and so even though we were young, it didn't feel like that back then. We felt like we were mature enough back then to make that decision. Um, alhamdulillah, I think it worked out for the best. Take it. Were they open to it or what were their reactions? So, yeah, so at first they were hesitant, again, because of the age. They thought we were really young. They thought, you know, get to, you know, get to know each other a bit longer. You know, he can come to visit us and, and get to know each other. But I think just deep down inside us, we knew that we wanted to get married straight away, like quite young. And, you know, even Islamically, it does say to get married young. You know, if, if, if you are meant to be for each other, if you're both good Muslims, good people, and you should get married young, that kind of thing. And that's kind of the way we wanted to do things. So we, you know, said that to our parents and they eventually agreed and they thought, okay, this, you know, seems to be the right way to do things, especially in terms of preventing sin, preventing, you know, just anything, um, anything negative happening in the relationship. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened and bless your marriage that's so beautiful I love when I hear sisters because um, I'm 32 now so I love hearing sisters who are around my age but they've got married really young um, mm. because at me at 18 I cannot imagine some kind of being married 
So when I hear of sisters my age, but they got married, you know, back in you know, like 80s, 70s, 60s, um, Hannah, it's really beautiful, Michelle, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah. Okay, so you got married, and, um, and you know, actually, before I, I, I start the next part, I remember the first YouTube video, Vaginismus, and I remember watching it and thinking, wow, she's so brave. But wow, like you've got a Muslim sister on YouTube talking about her journey, her journey with uh, vaginismus. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've never heard any Muslim woman speak about, talk about, or even mention, or even dislike, like nothing. No, no auntie of mine, not my mom, um, nothing, no one, you know. And then I see you speaking about it and I thought, wow, like, this is really powerful. And I thought it was just me, right? And it wasn't until a sister, I shared one of your, I think one of your programs, I shared it with her. And then she said, and she had got divorced uh, a few months before that. And she said to me, Hannah, I was married for one whole year and I didn't know that it was a thing. Mm. Until you sent me that, you know, that, that, that post of that, of that sister doing a program on it. Subhanallah. Mm. And she said, it affected my marriage so much, you know, that obviously now it's too late to look at things because, you know, they're divorced uh, and they're yeah. in a separate way. But that's when I, subhanallah, again, like I realized how amazing and how important, how valuable your work is. Um, so before we go into like your programs um, and how you help sisters, would you mind sharing a bit about your journey with vaginismus? Yeah, that's great. So um, as I mentioned, I got married really young and um, actually we got married at age 18, but we didn't actually live together until age 19. So even though we were married, we decided to stay living at our own parents. So I stayed with my parents. He stayed with his parents for a year. That was our first year of university. And then at age 19, we found a place to live in together. So we were about to live in in that place together. And just before moving in, we kind of did a little party celebration just with close family and friends. And I knew that that was going to be our so-called wedding night. Um, So um, I had the kind of usual fears and um, like the feelings of nervousness about a woman who like that a woman would feel when she is about to lose her virginity and have sex for the first time. But on top of that, I had some fears from hearing stories from other people saying how first time sex is really painful or losing your virginity is really painful. I'd hear stories involving things like there's a lot of blood involved. So I had quite a deep fear. Like I I remember hearing horror stories growing up about losing your virginity and first time sex. And so those horror stories stayed with me. And so on my wedding night, when I, when I did try to have sex for the first time, all of those stories came back to me and like fear took over my body. Literally, I remember feeling very, very shaky and I tried to just get over it, but the feelings didn't go away. So on that night, when I tried to have intercourse with my husband for the first time, it didn't happen. And I remember it feeling very painful. And I remember it feeling almost impossible for my husband's penis to go into my vagina and so we had to stop because it just was too painful I think I remember I'm not sure but I think I remember probably crying or just feeling very emotional and sex in general whether it's your first time or not 
sex in general is an emotional act. And so when you try and lose your virginity for the first time and it doesn't happen, you start questioning yourself. You start thinking, what's going on? Is there something wrong with me? Am I the only one to experience this? And so, I mean, my husband back then, he was very patient, very understanding. He understood that for a woman, it is a big deal to lose your virginity. So he was patient and understanding during that first time. And he said, don't worry, we'll try again. And so I, I relaxed a bit. You know, he was patient and understanding. And we did. We probably a few days later, we tried again. But the same thing happened. We tried and it was painful. It was impossible. Like every time his penis tried to go in my vagina, uh, my legs would start to shake. My vagina just seemed to kind of clamp up. It felt like it was clamping shut. Um, and a lot of the clients I work with now describe it in a way where it feels like there is a wall. It feels like there's like a brick wall inside the vagina where the penis can't get through. And that's how it felt for me. Um, I had a lot of misconceptions back then. I thought, oh, it might be that my hymen hasn't broken. Like I had this idea that when the hymen breaks, that's what causes blood. I now know that that's not true, but I didn't know it back then. I think it was partly because I was so young, but actually it was more because I didn't have the education. I was never taught in high school or by my parents or by anyone really. I wasn't taught the proper information about my own female anatomy. I wasn't taught about what I know now in terms of the pelvic floor muscles. So the pelvic floor muscles are the muscles that surround the vagina. And if you are in a state of fear, which I was, you're feeling anxiety, fear, nervousness, your pelvic floor muscles subconsciously start to contract. And if those muscles contract, it makes your vagina really narrow. And that's the reason why my husband's penis couldn't go in. And that's the reason why it was so painful. Um, but back then, when I was experiencing it, like I said, I was young, I didn't have the education, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I literally thought I was the only woman on planet Earth to be experiencing this. So this was back in 2009. So even though the internet was around, there wasn't what we have now with, we have like, you know, the ability to come here on Instagram and find out information. There is even more information on Google or on the internet. We now have even more access to information, but I didn't have that back then. And so I had to live with that condition, vaginismus, for a year. But I didn't know it was called vaginismus back then. I just thought, I'm still a virgin. I don't know when I'm going to lose my virginity. I don't know if it's even possible for me to lose my virginity because it's too painful. So I lived with it for a year. And after that end of the year, it kind of reached breaking point. Like it, it put such a huge strain on my marriage with my husband, as you can imagine, because when, especially as Muslims, when you save yourself for marriage, you just expect to lose your virginity and have sex with your husband. And the husband expects that too. So there is that kind of divide now between the husband and wife that this condition causes. And because it put such a huge strain on my marriage, I reached breaking point and me and my husband had a conversation and the word divorce was mentioned, not in a threatening way, in a way where it was just like, we can't live like this any, any longer. We can't live in this sexless marriage. We can't continue having this unconsummated marriage. We need to find a solution. Otherwise, we probably do get to, need to get divorced. And because I was afraid of getting divorced and I didn't want to get divorced for this reason, there are many good reasons to get divorced, but I didn't see this as a good enough reason. You know, everything else in our relationship was fine. 
but this was the one thing that I needed to find a solution to. So back then I decided to try and take things into my own hands and I went online and I started searching. I think I typed in something like solutions for painful sex because like I said, I didn't know it was called vaginismus back then. And thankfully after doing some research, the word vaginismus came up and just like you, I had never heard of it before and I started reading about what vaginismus is and when I read the description, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, yes, finally, that's it. That's what I have. That's what I'm going through. And I really felt so relieved that there is an actual word. There is a medical term for the condition that I was going through. And so I continued doing some research and I found out that this condition is completely treatable, completely curable. And yeah, I continued on with that journey in treating myself. And alhamdulillah, I managed to overcome it. I have two kids now. You know, I'm able to have intercourse with my husband. And even more importantly, and more amazingly, I would say is, you know, now, more than 10 years later, I'm able to help women overcome it too, which I feel so, alhamdulillah, so blessed and grateful to be able to do this work. Let me read some of the comments. Uh, Hi, Amira, you helped me a lot, thank you. And now I have a healthy baby boy. Oh, mashallah, beautiful. Alhamdulillah. Dida was actually one of my first clients, actually, I remember. Oh, beautiful, mashallah. Um, cupcake, so proud of you. This is so important to, talk, uh, to teach all women before they get married. Yes, completely agree. Um, so, um, you know that, that first year that you talked about, Amira, when you just didn't know what was going on? Um, like a, a year is a long time. It's a long time. So mm-hmm. how did you... Like, what made you think, you know what, I'm going to keep trying? Because without, I'm assuming you didn't go out your way to kind of research um, what's going on. So, like, what kept you going for a whole year? Um, It was a combination of things. I would say I was really frustrated. I was, I kind of thought, when am I going to be able to have sex? When am I going to be able to overcome this? Am I really the only woman in the world to be experiencing this? I just had a kind of deep, inner knowing that there must be something that can help me. I I don't know where it came from, but I knew deep down that Allah wouldn't test a woman with something that she wasn't able to overcome. So I knew I was able to overcome it. I just didn't know how at the time. I didn't know what I could do. Um, because any time I would think about my husband's penis or you know him approaching me or anything, I used to feel fear. I used to feel trembling and shaky. Um, but I knew that there had to be a solution. So as I said, I did go online. I started researching about it. I found out about the term vaginismus. And what I read in terms of the treatment, what was recommended is what's known as using dilators. So dilators are a series um, of tools. They come in different sizes. They start usually the smaller size is about the size of your index finger. And it gradually increases in size to the largest size being about the size of an erect penis. And when I saw these tools, obviously they looked very strange to me because I had never seen tools like that before. Some women look at them and think that they are um, sex toys or vibrators. They are not. They don't vibrate. They don't give you any pleasure. Um, They are literally medical tools that allow a woman to empower herself. Because if you think about it gradually increasing in size, a woman can kind of slowly get rid of the fear and think, yes, I can insert this small size slowly. I can then gradually work up my way to the largest size and then I can feel more confident to transitioning to intercourse with my husband and accepting his penis. Now, yes, there are some women who can go from being a virgin 
to having sex for the first time on her wedding night and there are no problems. And mashallah, that is amazing. That's, that's great. But for so, other, so many other women, it's not always that straightforward and that easy. Many women need some training beforehand. I like to compare it to if you think about running a marathon, for example, you wouldn't kind of, you know, imagine I told you, Hannah, that in six months time, you have to go and run a marathon. Would you just allow the six months to just go by and do no training, no mental training, no physical training? No, you would just spend the next six months mentally preparing yourself, doing physical training, going and practicing running every day or very regularly. And that's the same way I see intercourse. I think any woman who is about to get married or any woman who's going to lose her virginity, she needs to spend time doing some mental preparation and some physical preparation. So I see these dilators as a tool to help you get ready physically. You are there practicing inserting it yourself. Um, it's just the same as inserting a tampon. You know, there is nothing wrong Islamically with inserting a tampon when you are on your period. And if you are going to use these tools, dilators, with the intention that, Ya Allah, I am using these tools because I want to prepare myself to feel confident on my wedding night. The wedding night is not meant to be a night of fear. It's meant to be a night of pleasure and excitement and intimacy with your husband. And if that is clouded by fear, that is not helpful for the husband. He, your husband doesn't want to be there seeing you afraid. He wants to see you there relaxed and excited and ready to enjoy that night. And so these tools are amazing for women who either have vaginismus to help them overcome it, but equally so, they are also helpful for women who are not yet married, women who maybe are about to get married soon, who want to prepare themselves. Because I don't believe that first-time sex should be painful for any woman. The most it should be is perhaps a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit strange, a little bit weird when a penis is going into the vagina for the first time. But there should not ever be pain. It should never lead to a woman crying out of fear or pain, right? So I really see that these tools, dilators, are amazing tools because they are the tools that I use myself to overcome my vaginismus. I spent time for about four weeks or so every day, almost every day, just practicing with these tools, allowing myself to feel more confident with inserting something into my own vagina. And then I was able to accept my husband's penis into my vagina. And now I don't need to use those dilators anymore. They were simply tools to help prepare me. Um, and in addition to that preparation, I needed to do some mental preparation, I needed to change my mindset around my husband's penis and not be afraid of it. I need to change my mindset around losing my virginity, around sex in general, not seeing sex as a bad thing. Now that I'm married, it is acceptable to have sex and it is encourageable to have sex. So all of those things in combination are what I believe a woman needs to do to prepare herself to lose her virginity or to overcome badness if she has it. I can relate to a lot of things you've said. Like I remember hearing uh, a story of one uh, one sister when she got married. She was so petrified that she locked herself in the toilet in the bathroom. You know, just before like she mm. could tell it's time for you know intercourse. It's her wedding night. Uh, she locked herself, and her husband was just so confused. Like, are you okay? He came like after an hour. Like, but by the time he got to the second hour, he actually broke the door down. He just thought like, is there something going on? Um, so, subhanAllah, like, you know, uh, there is true. There are women out there that have this fear. Um, so yeah. I just wanted to kind of just know a bit about uh, Amira, like, where does this, like, like, 
this fear that we have that the, all those women who have when you know on their wedding night like you said it's to do with like you know stories they've heard people have told them you know it's like this it's like that even me i remember hearing like you know it's definitely going to be painful it's definitely going to be like you know blood everywhere and and mm. things like that um like what can we do like what like you, obviously you're a coach mashallah so you you have the tools experience the key what about us kind of lay women like normal ev- average you know woman what can we advise like you know our, our nieces or our, you know so we've got a friend that's, re- that's about to get married like what advice can we give or or how should we talk about uh sex in a way that educates you know like how like how can we do that like what what role can we play yeah that's such a great question and such an important question so there's a few things there the first thing i would say is that if you hear anyone if you're in a setting with other women and you happen to hear someone talk about sex in a negative way or talk about losing your virginity in a negative way try and contribute to that conversation and say actually from what i've learned first time sex is not meant to be painful because from what i've learned i've learned that there are these muscles that surround the vagina and those muscles are called pelvic floor muscles. So all a woman needs to do is learn how to relax those pelvic floor muscles. Even if she's having sex for the first time and losing her virginity, if she can get those pelvic floor muscles to be relaxed, the vagina will be nice and wide and open, and that means the penis will go in easily. The reason why it is painful for some women when they lose their virginity is because of the fear, the anxiety, the feelings of nervousness, which cause those pelvic floor muscles to contract. When those pelvic floor muscles contract, it squeezes the vagina and makes the vagina really narrow. And that's the reason why having intercourse is painful for many women when they're losing their virginity for the first time or if they have vaginismus. So it is about contributing to the conversation in a positive way and painting intercourse in a positive way. It's also about deciding that talking about sex and intercourse doesn't need to be a taboo topic because that's also part of the problem. Most taboo topics are, tend to be what we see as negative things. So if you think of something negative, most women aren't going to want to do it or they'll be curious, why is it so negative? Why is it not talked about? So that's part of the work that we need to be doing is talking about intercourse in a positive way. And that is an Islamic thing to do as well. There wasn't meant to be any shyness Islamically, you know, at the time of the Prophet, in terms of talking about these sorts of things, women and men at the time of the Prophet were encouraged to openly talk about these sorts of topics because otherwise we are going to have misinformation. And that misinformation is what's causing the negative emotions, the fear and anxiety. So it's deciding to be talking about sex in a positive way. Yes, with the Islamic focus of, you know, in, in Islam, we are meant to save ourselves for marriage. It is uh, sinful to have sex before marriage, of course, but not, not deciding that sex is a negative thing. In fact, sex is like one of the most rewarded acts that we can do with our spouse, with our husband. So if you have teenage girls, especially in your family, young relatives or friends that are teenage girls or early 20s who are not yet married, if they are curious about sex, talk to them in a very positive way about it educate them and say go and find out about your pelvic floor muscles go and find out about your female anatomy i even go further and actually encourage you know women who are in their late teens early 20s to go and spend some time exploring their female anatomy going and looking at yourself down there so with a mirror you know in the privacy of a, of a room or a bathroom going and looking at your vagina and your 
your vulva. Your vulva is the external female anatomy that you can see because the vagina is a very small part that we can see. We can only see the entrance. The rest of the vagina is what's inside our body. So going and spending time looking at yourself down there because you know, for most men, it's very easy for them to see their penis. It's there, it's external. But for us as women, most of it is, is covered. We can't really see it. So spend time using like a mirror and looking at yourself and knowing where the different parts of your female anatomy are. Because many of my clients come to me and say, when I tried to lose my virginity, I didn't even know where my vagina was. Like, where is the entrance? Where actually is it? So go and spend time. Like, you can go and get a diagram, a scientific medical diagram and spend time looking at yourself down there. After you've done that, I would recommend women educating themselves about the pelvic floor muscles, learning how to identify where they are. So there's a very easy way to do that. And the way you can do it is the next time you go and sit on the toilet and you're about to pass urine, before you allow the urine to come out, just spend time maybe even closing your eyes and think about the muscles involved because the pelvic floor muscles are involved when you pass urine. The pelvic floor muscles relax when you are passing urine, when the flow of urine is coming out. So that's how you can tell that they are relaxed because urine is coming out of you. And then you can just decide to stop the urine. Like you can do that on the toilet. And when you do that, you are causing your pelvic floor muscles to contract so that you're aware of where those muscles are. Because a lot of the time, when you go on the toilet and pass urine, it's very subconscious. You're doing it without even thinking. But just pay attention, bring a bit of mindfulness to it, just so you're aware of where those muscles are internally. Because once you know where those muscles are, you're more in control of them. You can decide, you can even do it right now when sitting down or standing up, lining up, lining in a, lining up in a queue or walking around. You can pay attention to your pelvic floor muscles. And when you pay attention to them, you have more control over them and spend time learning how to get them to be relaxed. There are certain breathing techniques that you can do to get them to be relaxed as well, because once they are relaxed, inserting anything, whether it be a dilator or a tampon or your husband's penis becomes a lot more easy and effortless. Um, so that's the conversation to have with women to educate them so they don't feel afraid. And I have a daughter, she's seven, and it is in my plans, inshallah, if I'm still alive, when she's in her late teens, early 20s, when she's thinking about getting married, I am planning to educate her all about the female anatomy. I'm even going to go so far as to encourage her, if she wants to, to practice, whether it be inserting a tampon or inserting dilators, so that she feels confident to lose her virginity on her wedding night. I know some women or young girls don't want to use tampons or insert anything because they're afraid that they will lose their virginity that way. And I just want to make it really clear that it is not possible to lose your virginity with a tampon or a dilator or any object. The only way you can lose your virginity is through a man's penis entering your vagina. So using tampons or other tools you know, to help you feel more confident is highly recommended so that you don't have the fear on your wedding night. Comments uh, coming in. Um... So we've got one from Um Ayaz, but isn't it a lot to do with a man as well? Uh, I mean, apart from women learning how to prepare ourselves, we need to educate men to make women be ready emotionally and physically and only then approach. Um, heard many sisters say that men rush into intercourse without men taking, making them ready. Uh, the Ummah needs this. Uh, okay, wa alaikum salam. I think, um, please jump in and correct me, uh, Amira, but I think with Amira, she's focusing more on um, 
she's assuming that the man has done that and the man is being supportive and, and the husband is being, uh, you know, emotionally um, getting the woman ready. Uh, and I'm sure, uh, you know, from, from the cases that um, uh, Amira's worked with, the sisters, you know, th they will say that the husbands, you know, they do get them ready. They're being emotional. It's all lovely. It's all nice. But as soon as, you know, the man's um, penis is about to enter, um, that's when, you know, the woman just feels like the vagina just shuts, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. But please jump in and, and correct Amira. Yeah, you're, you're right. In like 99% of the situ of the cases that I work with, the clients that I work with, their husbands are very, very supportive, very understanding, very, very patient. In fact, there are some women who literally live with this for years. I've had clients that have had it for four years, 10 years, so many years. So you can just imagine how patient and understanding those husbands are. So most of the time, it's not the husband that is causing it. Um, what the cause of vaginismus is usually from the woman. That is not to blame the woman. It is, in fact, to empower the woman. If you are the cause of something, you are in control of changing the effects, right? So the woman, the cause is from within the woman. It's an internal cause in terms of the fear, which is caused by the things that are going on psychologically or in the brain mentally, right? And then you can change your state, change your emotions, which will have an effect physiologically on your body, so if you can change that for yourself as the woman, that is the majority of the work that's needed to overcome vaginismus and overcome, uh, overcome painful sex. In addition to that, the woman can also empower herself by doing the practice, the physical training, the physical work, using dilators or tampons to practice inserting things for herself. The reason I recommend those dilators or tampons when you are inserting it for yourself is because it allows you as the woman to practice relaxing your own pelvic floor muscles so you are very much in control you are very much empowered if the man is not supportive and understanding yes that is where the education comes in he needs to be educated on how to be understanding and patient because this is a very sensitive thing for a woman a very emotional thing for a woman to go through and she does need a lot of patience and understanding so if the cause is from the man being too like too pressurizing having a lack of patience and a lack of understanding then yes that needs to be dealt with maybe through marriage counseling or therapy in a different way but if the cause is just solely from the woman then that is very very much curable and treatable when a woman has the right support the right information the right education the right knowledge the right tools she can very much overcome the vaginismus on her own read uh, some comment. Um, Aisha for being so open and sharing your story is such an important topic we shy away from. Uh, I've also had had to use dilators for a different reason. I found it very traumatic. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, she continues physically very painful and emotionally very upset, but I try and I think positively that alhamdulillah there is some treatment. You're right, you've got to be in the correct headspace. Uh, and I was not at 19. Okay, uh, um, ayat, oh, okay, sorry, alhamdulillah jumped into blame men. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, don't worry. Um, Aisha Khala, such an important topic. You're, do, you're doing sister, yeah, subhanallah. Um, so do you find, uh, after I want to ask you that question, do you find some struggling with a dilator, uh, Amira? And yeah, how, there are. How, yeah. Okay. Yeah, many, many women do struggle with the dilators. For some women, it's very easy. So they can follow, I have like video lessons that they can watch and I break it down step by step and they can just go ahead and use it on their own. The women who tend to struggle with it tend to have more of a deeper, in deep, more deeply ingrained psychological fear 
of inserting anything. And that's where I kind of offer private coaching to work with them on a more subconscious level. So it could be something that happened to them in childhood, or it could just be things that they've seen in the media or in movies or stories that they've heard that are very much deeply ingrained that needs to be addressed first. So get, getting really to the root cause, where is this fear of penetration coming from? Where is the fear of dilators coming from? And working with them first on the fear before moving on to um, being able to use the dilators. So yes, there are women who just kind of completely are afraid of, of inserting anything. And if they have that deep psychological fear, that needs to be worked with. For me personally, alhamdulillah, I didn't have that deep psychological fear. I was able to just go and use dilators on my own because my fear was more surface level in terms of I just had a fear of pain. Uh, I didn't want there to be pain during intercourse. So that was my fear. And I realized <clears throat> that if I was able to use dilators on my own, I would overcome the fear of pain because the dilators would prove to me that there is no pain when something goes inside my vagina. And that's what the dilators did for me. But there are many women who struggle with inserting anything in the first place. And so that usually comes from, like I said, a more deeply, deeply ingrained fear. And that needs to be worked with through coaching, addressing things on a more subconscious level and working with a woman emotionally to change her state. Okay, Michelle, I don't think there's any more comments. Um, so I'll ask um, one last question. If someone wants to join your program, like how can they get in touch with you? So there are a couple of ways. It could just be messaging me on Instagram. That tends to be where a lot of my clients get in touch with me. I do have an email address, so it's amira at amirazaki.com. Um, but yeah, best way is just send me a message on Instagram. And I tend to enjoy, you know, having a little private chat. Um, women who are interested in working with me privately have the opportunity to have a, a free private consultation with me for 30 minutes. So if you're interested in private coaching, you can definitely do that. Alternatively, if you don't want private coaching and you'd rather do something um, kind of in a self-paced way, following like an online course on your own, um, you can actually register through the link in my bio for a free 90 minute training where I talk all about what's included in the online course and how I actually go about helping women through my online course. Um, so yeah, there's like two options, private coaching, or if you prefer a more self-paced way, a bit more of an affordable way, that's through my online course. It's called Confident Marital Sex. And I called it that because as you imagine in the title, I want women to feel confident when they are having sex in the context of marriage with their husbands, whether that be because they have vaginismus now and they want to overcome it, or whether that be because they are not married, but they want to feel confident on their wedding night when, that's when they do get married. So those are the options that I have in terms of working with me. Any questions from you sisters, just jot, jot it down and inshallah I'll ask it to Amira. Um, just as a wrap up, um, who would you say Amira, of all the people in your life, who would you say, it, who would you choose as one person who's uh, inspired you or supported you or just helped you be determined and just the way you are mashallah like in terms of helping others like who would you say is that person and why um i would say both my parents um alhamdulillah like my dad has always been very very supportive like um i think i mentioned at the beginning of this call that i worked as a teacher for five years and in the final year um of teaching um i decided that i didn't want to be a teacher anymore i didn't want to have a job anymore I wanted to go and start my own business. And this was very 
a very new thing in my family, um, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, not working for anyone. So both my parents worked, but they worked for someone. So they were self-employed. So my mum was a childminder, my dad is a chauffeur, but they worked for companies. Um, and so for me to just start my own business and work for myself was a brand new thing in my family. And when I made that decision to leave teaching, which my parents saw as this noble profession, you know, with a secure income, some of my family were like, Amira, are you sure? You don't really have a backup plan. Is this the right thing? Maybe you should start a business on the side, and get that to be successful before leaving your job. But I knew inside me, that's not what I wanted to do. And I think because at the time I had two kids, I have two kids, alhamdulillah, I just knew that I wanted to work from home, spend more time with my kids, raise them, have, give them more attention um, and generate an income for myself. And I knew deep down that I was, I know it sounds really corny, but I knew I was meant for more. I, like I knew Allah put me on this earth to be doing more. And I knew that teaching wasn't what I was meant to be doing. So I, I took the risky decision back then to leave my job without a backup plan. Like I didn't have a business back then, but I knew I needed to be doing something. Um, and Alhamdulillah, I've now you know, decided that I need to work with women who have vaginismus because Allah tested me with it and I overcame it. And it's now my duty to help women to overcome it. And so back then, when I told my family that I'm going to do this, my dad always supported me. He was like, Amira, if you, if you believe this is right for you, go ahead and do it. And so I, I would say my dad is kind of like my biggest cheerleader and supporter. Um, but and my mom at the time, she was a bit hesitant. She was like, are you sure you're leaving such a good job? But she's always been, you know, silently supportive of me, alhamdulillah. So my parents have definitely influenced me in a major way, alhamdulillah. Um, um, Ayyad is saying, question from sister, any help to make sex less painful because of adin adenomyosis? I'm not sure what that is. Do you know if you know what that is? Uh, no, I'm not too sure uh, what it is. So if you have a specific kind of uh, diagnosis, a specific condition, um, I definitely recommend that you need to go and speak to your doctor, see what they recommend. Um, you know, can, you can speak to um, kind of integrative medicine doctors, uh, doctors who are more holistic, speaking to a specialist in that field. Um, so I wouldn't be able to help you because that's not my specialism, unfortunately. So I'm sorry about that. Um, Walaikum Okay, so one more roundup kind of question. Um, what three pieces of advice would you share with your younger self? Wow, really put me on the spot. Okay, let me have a thing. With my younger self, um, I would say, love your body. I would say, trust yourself. And I would say, um, Be patient, like don't rush into things. Patience. That's what I would say. Um, that's the end of today's episode. If there are any questions, uh, my dear sisters, you can always just DM uh, Amira Zaki on Instagram or you can just DM us and we'll pass it on to Amira. Um, so we've come to the end now. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from you, Amira, and your family. And may Allah bless you and your family. Um, and all you mother sisters have joined us tonight. May Allah bless you and your families. Um, inshallah, this episode will be uh, uploaded onto our YouTube channel and all our different podcast platforms. So look out for that uh, in the next up upcoming week. And inshallah, episode seven will be aired next week live here again on IGTV. 
Um, details on episode seven guest speaker will be shared as usual on Monday on our IG page. Um, other than that, my dear sisters, um, we'll end it here, inshallah. Take care of yourselves and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much, Hannah, for having me.